0: From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to examine the expanding menu of alternative fuels in the trucking industry. Over the past couple years, the conversation about the future of commercial vehicles has focused on electric-powered trucks. Truck manufacturers have been making significant investments in battery electric vehicle technology, and they've begun to introduce their first electric models as they prepare for commercial rollouts. But will there continue to be a place for other alternative fuels to diesel, such as natural gas? And how will the alternative fuels landscape evolve in the future? We'll set out to answer those questions in this episode. To learn more, we're going to speak with two alternative fuel experts. Later in the program, we'll hear from Stuart Weidai, President of Alliance Autogas, a nationwide propane auto gas fueling network. But first, we're excited to welcome Chad Lindholm, Vice President of Natural Gas Provider, Clean Energy. Thanks for joining the program, Chad. Thanks for having me. So in recent years, there's been a significant movement within the trucking industry to explore and implement cleaner fuels, and uh, natural gas is currently the largest alternative to diesel that's out there. Uh, but truck manufacturers and many of their tier one suppliers have been investing heavily in bringing electric powered trucks to market. So I want to ask you, Chad, uh, how do you see alternative fuels uh, evolving in the years ahead within the, the trucking landscape? You know, do you see a place for both natural gas and electric, uh, as well as potentially you know, other power
1: sources? Well, that's a good question, Seth, and uh, we, we get it asked often and, and talk about it certainly uh, with customers and, and internally as a company. Uh, there's no question that the space is a large space, and there is a tremendous room and opportunity for all fuels and technologies to find a place. We think uh, here at Clean Energy that it really comes down to the right fuel for the right application, and that not only will include you know, what we're seeing with some uh, uh, evolution of the electric space, uh, but also the notes on hydrogen that are coming out. Uh, there's more exciting news around natural gas hybrid technology that we're heavily involved in, uh, certainly on the renewable natural gas front. So you know, at the end of the day, we look at this space as, you know, depending on numbers you pull, something around a 35 billion gallon per year market in terms of consumption. And in a normal year, as, as your listeners are aware, there's north of, you know, there was a run rate north of 250,000 trucks being ordered. So plenty of room out there. And uh, we look forward to continuing to, you know, provide uh, our solution to uh, a number of fleets uh, across the nation. You know, I think it's interesting to see this, uh, really this menu
0: of different fueling options begin to emerge. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it all plays out in the, in the years ahead. Uh, but I'm curious to hear um, your thoughts on on what you're hearing from your customers. You know, what are the primary factors that are driving interest in natural gas right now? And was it the business case? Is it emissions regulations? And maybe shippers with corporate sustainability goals? Or some combination of those factors?
1: <laughs> no question, there's a, a combination. Um, and, and different fleets and, and interested parties weigh each one differently. So So each discussion is unique and tailored to Um, that individual fleet. But, you know, at the end of the day, we believe fleets are looking for certainty and they're looking to minimize risk. And and what we mean by that is, you know, a technology that's proven, uh, that's here today, that has a robust supply chain with known channel partners um, that can not only uh, deliver the product, uh, but also service and support. And that's where we feel Uh, natural gas engine and truck technology uh, certainly delivers uh, for these fleets. When you push aside from that and you can ensure fleets uh, a peace of mind in those critical areas so they can get from point A to point B and deliver the goods that uh, the consumers need uh, on time, on schedule, then certainly um, a push around emission reductions and, and the big focus today on corporate sustainability goals is tremendously important. And, you know, we again feel like we have uh, a solution that helps those fleets as well as their shippers achieve uh, and, in many cases, exceed those goals. And when you think about the many applications
0: in the trucking industry and, and in finding the right fueling option for the right application, you know, what types of fleet operations do you think are best suited to natural gas?
1: Well, you know, initially, it, it was shorter routes and lighter loads, so fleets typically returning home uh, and hauling. We called it air, you know, pay, paper type products. Um, there was uh, fleets that just just light products. The evolution uh, that's happened uh, in our space has been exciting, and it's been significant over the last decade or so as improvements have been made to the onboard fuel systems around uh, a quantity of. Storage in terms of gallons on board, the weight uh, impact of those gallons on board, the improvement around uh, just overall engine performance uh, and reliability. So it's expanded um, and it's expanded in such a way that uh, while shorter routes are, are still uh, something that's prominent, the technology has lent itself to fleets. Running upwards of a thousand miles a day in between fills, and we see the regional trucking aspect moving uh, each and every quarter into, um, in some cases, line haul applications and truly coast to coast, border to border. Um, so it's an application that really fits um, all different fleet parameters
0: okay and you know we usually think of natural gas as a fossil fuel uh, but clean energy also offers a renewable form of natural gas called redeem and which is made from biomethane gas extracted from landfills and, and dairy farms. It's a really different form of natural gas. Uh, you know how much can fleets reduce greenhouse gas emissions you know with both conventional and renewable natural gas you know compared to, to diesel?
1: Well, it's an exciting space to be today and we're proud to be at the forefront of the you know renewable gas revolution and uh, the reductions you know frankly are significant. The, there's not a lot talked about there. We're kind of they're kind of forgotten. There's certainly buzz with other technologies out there but uh, let me put this into perspective. Today, you know what we have, you know essentially blue gas, conventional natural gas, and we have what we refer to as green gas, right, renewable gas. Conventional blue gas provides right out the gate, uh, in most cases, a 30% reduction in greenhouse gases as compared to diesel. Green gas, on the other hand, can provide as much as a 250% reduction. Uh, I didn't miss speak there. It's a 250% reduction, and there's a new buzzword that's starting to catch on in circles, and it's referred to as a carbon-negative fuel. We're excited to be in that space and begin to get the message out to fleet operators uh, and the shipper community, policymakers, the media, that um, this is a viable alternative uh, that, at the end of the day, provides more greenhouse gas emission reductions than any other technology that is being talked about uh, in the space. No, well, it's really interesting. You're able to, to harness,
0: uh, you know, uh, you know, biomethane, you know, as the, as the, the source of, of uh, the fuel here um, and that it does seem like a really interesting option. And, and of course, you know, as is a fleet starts to consider, you know, uh, getting into natural gas or, or just kind of moving beyond diesel and, and testing out other uh, fueling systems and technologies. You know, one of the issues we, we often hear about is, is concern about the price, you know, the upfront uh, price uh, investment. Uh, so I, I do want to talk to you about uh, Clean Energy Zero Now program. You know, so essentially this is allowing companies to, to lease or purchase natural gas trucks uh, equipped with uh, the Cummins Westport uh, ISX-12N uh, near zero engine. Uh, for the same price as a diesel fleet. You know, talk about that. You know, walk us through it. Uh, tell us more about that program.
1: Sure. Uh, we're excited about it. Been in the throes now for uh, the better part of a year and in, uh, in a way educating some fleets and re-educating others on, on the advancements made uh, in our field uh, with today's natural gas engine technology and fueling infrastructure and support structure, as I referred to earlier. Uh, Zero Now is a program where you know after talking with these fleets and as you mentioned recognizing that upfront hurdle cost and not an absolute guarantee or that certainty around well when's my payback going to occur what's going to happen with oil and diesel prices not just short term but near term and no one has the crystal crystal ball there so what we did was we said we're, we're going to take away that risk we're going to eliminate the upfront cost uh, and we're at on the back end going to guarantee a price that's lower than what you'd otherwise pay for diesel as pegged to the regional uh, pad index. We're able to do that through some unique partnerships that we've developed with the engine manufacturer community, the fuel system community, key principal dealers, uh, and last but certainly not, not least, our largest shareholder, Total. What we do along those lines is uh, we don't step into the truck purchasing, financing, leasing process. Fleets are able to do that uh, as they normally would under um, their normal, normal purchasing cycle. We offset that cost um, to fleets, uh, again, through Total and a unique hedge mechanism where we, in turn, not only eliminate the upfront cost of today roughly forty dollars to $50,000 incremental for a natural gas option, but then peg a discount to diesel pad for the duration of that truck's life. So what's that mean to a fleet? They have day one savings that are guaranteed and are guaranteed in the long term. If a fleet's running these trucks in California, for instance, and today paying, you know, on the pad price, three twenty five dollars a gallon for diesel. In most cases, they're paying around $2 for natural gas. If that same fleet is running trucks in Texas, where diesel's significantly lower, like most parts of the United States, and let's just say diesel is hovering around 225 pad, and we've guaranteed a comparable discount, they could be paying as low as a dollar fifty for fuel. We're excited about it. A number of fleets have stepped up and, and started the program with us, and we have generated tremendous. Uh, interest from the truck community uh, as we continue to roll this out and message it across the country. Got it. And this is available now for uh, heavy-duty trucks, right? And I understand there's plans to extend it to uh, the medium-duty market as well? You're right. Uh, We've had the 12-liter engine uh, on the road for several years and have been able to directly market this program to uh, those fleets that run in a typical Class A tractor-trailer application. But we're excited as the 6.7 leader Cummins engine comes out into the marketplace uh, with the same emission reduction benefits as the nine and the 12-liter platforms, Uh, there's no question that we've begun to have discussions in the straight truck market uh, with fleets running shorter routes on a comparable program, and they're excited to hear about it, and we're getting ready to fulfill a number of orders.
0: Join Transport Topics in celebrating trucking's frontline heroes.
1: Late this summer, meet Peter Lacoste, driver for NFI Industries. It kind of feels good. You know, when you do something of service, the job gets done, sure, but it also gives you a little bit of personal satisfaction, you know, being part of the solution. I was always taught you get more if you give. There's more satisfaction in giving Watch Peter's full introduction video and meet other heroes at ttnews.com.
0: You know, natural gas trucks have been in the marketplace now, uh, you know, in in significant numbers for uh, some time now. It's it's been a number of years. So I'm wondering how much of a used market has emerged at this point for natural gas trucks. You know, I know there's, there's long been sort of an unanswered question about that, but What are you seeing on
1: that front? Well, it's starting to grow. You know, it's a challenge. Is is you launch uh, new products, new engines, and and getting to a point where one, the used products four, five, six years down the road are even available, and two, you know, what's the residual value on those units? So we've worked through that process for the better part of the last decade, and we're really at a point now where we believe we have a known and proven residual value on used 12 liter trucks. And we're seeing a couple hundred of these right now, certainly hope more of that increases in time as more new truck orders come on, but we're seeing a few hundred of these trucks come into the market space on an annual basis. We get pretty involved in in the process of helping uh, fleets on the front end find users on the back end and kind of you know play the, the middle man to ensure that truck finds a secondary life so we can be a, a fuel partner for that new fleet. Sometimes that means we're involved uh, with the dealers that take these trucks back on, on track lease type programs or directly with the fleets. And they have a great use um, in the independent owner operator community uh, for different contracted fleet carriers. Um, certainly, that includes uh, port and drayage operations. We see a lot of that excitement building uh, right out in the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach and is starting to lend uh, its way to other drayage applications across the country. And we have started to see a pickup in the United States Postal Service fleet carrier space where these regional trucking companies are, again, looking for options. Uh, and looking for cost-competitive options to bid out and achieve their sustainability goals with cleaner, greener trucks. Now,
0: for as long as trucking has been testing and implementing natural gas, there's uh, also been this debate about compressed versus liquefied natural gas. And uh, based on what we've seen in the market so far, you know, CNG has seen broader adoption uh, than LNG. Uh, but what's the current demand breakdown uh, between those two options at clean energy?
1: Well, Seth, you know, we've done both. And, and we can kind of sit here, um, you know, and, and you can argue um, all day long on the virtues of one versus another. Um, but no one else really is, is dug in there deep on both technologies. They're both great technologies, uh, from a, a building and running stations, from delivering uh, product to uh, the end user, in our case, being the truck fleet. Uh, there are some considerations. And as I mentioned earlier, right fuel for the right application, that certainly can be uh, applied to the CNG and LNG discussion, but what we do see today is about an 80-20 split. You know, 80% CNG truck orders, 20% LNG truck orders. Uh, historically, that had somewhat been driven by the the nature of the regional trucking and and shorter routes, where CNG um, certainly uh, made a lot of sense, and you didn't need all the storage on board, and then have to be concerned about weight impacts. As trucking becomes available, natural gas, and there's more interest in line haul, and as I mentioned earlier, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, I think you'll see that 80-20 split shift slightly. Who knows where it will ultimately end up? But you'll see some LNG truck deployments start to happen uh, for range uh, reasons for access to uh, fueling infrastructure that's already built, uh, and maybe some other considerations that fleets have out there. And what we look at here at Clean Energy is, uh, again, because we do both fuels, we're going to present a fleet with both options and ultimately met, let them make the decision uh, that best suits their needs. Sure. Now, before I let you go,
0: Chad, I I
1: would like to hear your thoughts on
0: you know, where you see the trucking industry headed in the future as we implement alternative fuels and continue to push to, to reduce emissions. What do you think commercial trucking is going to look like 10 years from now?
1: Wow. Well, I don't want to speak for our our trucking customers, but I guess I'll give a, a bit of our perspective as a natural gas fuel provider. Certainly, there's going to be a diversified approach that these fleets we believe are going to look at with fuels and technologies and instead of having all your eggs in one basket with a traditional uh, diesel fuel product that's powered the industry for the last uh, umpteen decades there is going to be a mix and that is going to be a unique challenge but also a great opportunity for these fleets out there uh, depending on the duty cycle of the application they have the type of routes they have the type of products that they're delivering, and we really see that uh, we are going to continue to work with fleets that are going to have a mixed portfolio, um, and that, in our view, is a good approach to have as a fleet uh, as you're looking at uh, deleveraging risk and looking at technologies and looking to you know, maximize your service levels uh, while keeping your costs in line uh, over the long term. Yeah, well, it's certainly going to be uh, fun to watch this all develop uh, in the years
0: ahead uh, as we see uh, fuels and power sources other than, you know, tr- you know the traditional uh, diesel uh, really begin to uh, garner a larger share of the of the trucking market. Uh, I do think that's a good stopping point, though. So I'd just like to thank you again, Chad, for joining the podcast and, and sharing
1: your insights. We really appreciate it. My pleasure, Seth. Thank you.
0: Hello, listeners. I'm Michael Fries, Features Editor
1: here at Transport Topics. Join me starting September 3rd for a Road Science Special Report on Workforce Development. I'll speak with industry professionals in this multi-episode series about the search for drivers, technicians, as well as exploring the changing landscape of the trucking workforce. See you then.
0: Next on Road Signs, we're excited to welcome Stuart Weidai, CEO of Blossman Gas and President of Alliance Auto Gas, a nationwide auto gas fueling and vehicle network. Thanks for joining the program, Stuart. My pleasure. Happy to be here. So in recent years, there's been a lot of conversation and investment in fuels other than diesel within the trucking industry. You know, several years ago, there was an intense focus on natural gas, and now the conversation has turned mostly to electric-powered trucks. But in this episode, I wanted to take a look at some of the other alternatives that are out there, and and one of those alternatives is propane autogas. Now, I'm sure that some of our listeners don't know much about propane as a vehicle fuel, Uh, so could you just start out by telling us what it is and how it works?
2: Well, first of all, propane is a domestically produced fuel here in the United States. It comes as a byproduct of natural gas refining, and about 15 to 20% of it is from uh, oil refining we've got a network of 75 uh, million miles of pipelines spread around the United States in addition to uh, rail systems and other methods to get the product around the country. It's 110 plus year old fuel. And maybe that's part of our problem. I often call a a propane the stealth fuel because it's ubiquitous in many ways, but not many people have heard about it, especially as a transportation fuel and there are over 27 million vehicles running on propane autogas globally. Unfortunately, there are only about 185,000 here in the United States, but it's a a very popular alternative fuel to petrol or gasoline and diesel in other parts of the
0: world. Now, what are some of the advantages of propane autogas compared with diesel? Uh, You know, why would a fleet operator in the transportation industry consider Uh, using propane instead of uh, diesel?
2: Well, that's a question we often get, and there are quite a few positive benefits. The first one that seems to be most effective in terms of the development of the market here in the United States is its cost advantage. Over the last 12 years, propane autogas has been uh, around 30 uh, to 35 percent less than gasoline and 40, 45 percent less than diesel. So there's a very definite cost savings benefit. But one of the things that's happening, and I I think this is a nice development in the transportation sector, as well as other energy generation methods, is we're trying to find ways to be more responsible and good stewards of the Earth's resources and the environment. And propane versus uh, diesel especially for take a school bus as an example, a diesel school bus reduces NOx or nitrogen oxides by 96%. And when you compare it to regular gasoline emissions, it's 30% less than greenhouse gases and up to 60% less NOx uh, when you're using propane autogas. So there's a very definite emissions benefit. It's a cleaner burning fuel. In addition to the cost benefit, I think everybody wants to be green until it costs something. So we hit both of those uh, benefits in in our
0: mind. Now, um, could you give us a few examples of the types of transportation customers that have implemented this fuel in their operations? Uh, Just just some examples of the types of operations you mentioned, you know, buses, Uh, what else is out there?
2: Well, paratransit vehicles and other vehicles moving people around communities. Think of uh, your local community that's taking elderly folks and the infirmed to doctor's appointments, to the grocery store, to pick up their medications and so forth. That has been a very popular adopter of propane autogas throughout the country, primarily because those vehicles are running all day every day and they use a, they have a lot of mileage on them and the benefits uh, really accrue uh, to go on the cost saving side. Another area that's very popular is um, law enforcement, Uh, sheriff's department vehicles, uh, some ambulances, package delivery services, uh, which we think there's a good runway here in front of us with a lot of the changes that appear to be happening with people ordering things and having them delivered to home. It's sort of like uh, 50, 60, 70 plus years ago, everybody delivered milk to the home. And now that's what goes around comes around, I guess. So law enforcement, people movers, package delivery services. And then there are plenty of other service businesses pest control, as an example, who are driving around the community all day. And so it's particularly people who are driving 20, 25,000 miles per more or more per year, they get the greatest benefit.
0: Sure. And I'm also aware of some class eight trucking companies that have tested propane autogas, but of course it isn't in, in widespread use in freight transportation today. Now the the propane fueling system that I've read about, actually substitutes propane for diesel at certain uh, operating levels for the engine. Uh, so it's essentially using a mix of diesel and propane. Uh, you know, First off, just explain how that would work in a Class 8 truck.
2: Well, there's a propane injection system into a compression ignited engine, uh, like a diesel engine for a Class 8 truck. And we can substitute up to 30 to 40% propane into that engine and it's still run within the proper operating parameters and the fuel system uh, guidelines. And what that really does is it provides um, a, a cost effective partial solution to the fuel cost, but also it allows the missions to improve uh, somewhat marginally, maybe only 10 to 14 percent. But you can't put 100 uh, percent today. Uh, diesel uh, engine and have it replaced with propane because CTA rating is very important to a compression ignition engine. And uh, that's that's not exactly what is possible right now. And so our, we're looking at class two through seven vehicles. So think of beverage delivery vehicles around the community. Those are a perfect applications right. that are diesel now that can be
0: propane autogas. gas. No, uh you know, always makes sense, of course, to to look at the applications that are you best suited to the, to the alternative fuels that are out there. And, uh, those are good examples of, uh, you know, where it might make the most sense. Now, um, are these fueling systems generally going to be retrofitted? Um, or is there an option, uh, to, are, are there any factory options at this point? And, um, also for a retrofit, how does that play out in terms of engine warranties? I know that for certain large fleets, I and mean, that's always going to be a, a, a big concern.
2: There are OEM options here in the United States, and Roush uh, Cleantech is a Ford OEM option. They're making, uh, they're working with uh, Ford Motor Company to make F 250s up to the F 750 uh, commercial vehicles. Um, but primarily, the market is aftermarket, and globally, around 80% of the market is uh, aftermarket conversions. And that's a question about the warranty. So the Magnuson Moss Act requires that if you have an EPA certification, it does not void the manufacturer warranty. So not only is the manufacturer warranty still stay in place, if anything happens that was a cause of our system in Alliance Auto Gas, we have a five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. So that is a very important factor, as you mentioned, and particularly fleet adoption.
0: Now, um, one uh, aspect of this that we we talked about a little bit already, but I'd like to expand upon is, you know, just the the potential market for propane in uh, commercial transportation. You know, could you just uh, explain a little bit more about, you know, precisely the the vehicle types and the the types of applications, uh, business applications that you think will make the most sense for uh, propane autogas?
2: Well, we're exporting 27 billion gallons of propane out of this country today. If we just took that, we have the capability of converting over 6 million commercial vehicles to run on propane autogas in the United States. And I think that's relevant. That's important to understand in the context of there's no one solution. The electric um, vehicle uh, has seemed to, to really gather tremendous amount of momentum, exposure and potential, but you can't possibly make enough batteries because there aren't enough materials and you have to look at how electricity is produced. So in this country, we really need to take a, a, a more holistic, I would call it a transrational approach, and convert six or seven or eight million vehicles uh, to autogas, uh, the same for uh, natural gas vehicles and appropriate applications, which is very small routes, garbage trucks, local buses, transit authorities, and then have where it fits appropriately, the electric vehicle but keep in mind the electric vehicle has issues with weight and the load that they can carry. So there'll be applications for a number of options and we can't think one option's gonna solve all of our problems. That's one of the fallacies that I see repeatedly when I go to transportation conferences is everybody there thinks their um, option can solve all the problems. We need to all work together with multiple options and really diesel is what we need to eliminate primarily.
0: That's really interesting because, uh, I would say that within the last, uh, just few years, you know, we've seen the, the OEMs and, uh, you know, a lot of the tier one suppliers have been, you know, as we all know, investing heavily in battery electric. Um, and that's pretty much offered as, you know, the propulsion system of the future. Uh, of course there's continued investment in refining diesel engines, of course, uh, which aren't going away, uh, soon. Uh, but, You know, there's also natural gas out there and, you know, your argument is that rather than uh, just trying to convert, you know, all diesels to electric over time, uh, you see a place for uh, multiple fueling options, uh, fuel options uh, for different applications across the industry.
2: That's the only option as I see it. Just as an example, for one electric battery, it it takes a thousand pounds of weight is 500,000 pounds of raw materials that get processed to produce that battery. And those work, but they're very difficult to scale to Mm. everything. So I know that the OEMs uh, and many others, and uh, look at some of the companies that have been created have larger values like Tesla than GM and Ford (laughs) combined. Uh, they're, They're very popular, but in terms of scaling these options out for everything, it's just not possible. We would have to increase by fourteen times the expansion of our electric grid system, of over the next forty years, in order to accomplish that, versus what we've done in the past sixty years. So, a dose of realism is important, and there needs to be a general mix of all these things.
0: Well, I appreciate that, Stuart. Um, before I let you go, just you know, we're going to give you a final opportunity to offer up any additional thoughts on, you know, where you see you know commercial transportation heading in the future. And, uh, you know, any additional thoughts you have on, you know, where we stand with, you know, the future of um, fuels uh, in, in commercial transport?
2: It, that's, thank you for asking It's A question that's very important. First of all, I'm a great believer in hybridization. We should have electric batteries with some sort of internal combustion or turbine engine recharging the battery along with regenerative braking. Uh, on the vehicles. That is the perfect combination and leads us into the future. Maybe it's not as sexy as being all electric. The second thing is I think our country needs to invest in renewable liquid fuels. You know, one of the things that is often misunderstood in 1970, a a vehicle's emissions compared to one today is 99% less today than it was in 1970. And from going, simply from port injection to a direct injection to other turbine and um, turbo charging options that are going to happen in the future we're going to see internal combustion engines get better and cleaner and more efficient so the internal combustion engine is not dead so when you put it in conjunction with the smaller electric battery that's not as doesn't require as many materials and liquid renewable liquid fuels i think we have an and a great opportunity to make tremendous impact on the cost, but improve our environment and deal with the climate
0: issues that are facing our nation and the globe. Well, I think that's an excellent stopping point. And I'd just like to thank you again, Stuart, for joining the podcast and, and sharing your insights. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much,
2: Seth. Enjoyed it. Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport
1: Topics.
0: Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original question. As electric trucks gain momentum, will other alternatives to diesel continue to have a place in the trucking industry? It's becoming increasingly clear that electric-powered trucks will become an important part of freight transportation in the years ahead. But, as we've heard from our guests, other alternative fuels may also have a role in the industry's future. Right now, natural gas remains the primary alternative to diesel on the market today. There was a time several years ago when natural gas seemed poised to capture a huge portion of the trucking market back when diesel prices were hovering around $4 a gallon. That never fully materialized, in large part because diesel prices have since dropped. But natural gas continues to offer a pathway to lower emissions, especially as renewable natural gas becomes more available. And we certainly could see more deployment of other fuel options, such as propane autogas, in certain applications. All of these power sources, from natural gas and propane to electric, face similar challenges, such as higher upfront vehicle costs and the availability of fueling or charging infrastructure. But in the long term, as the transportation industry continues to look for ways to reduce emissions and improve efficiency, it's a safe bet that companies will be choosing from an expanding menu of fueling options in the years ahead. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the Road Signs team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And be sure to come back in two weeks when you'll hear from Transport Topics Features Editor Michael Fries as he explores the effort to find more drivers and technicians and opportunities to expand diversity in the trucking industry. In this special series, you'll find out what it will take to develop your company's workforce. Until then,
1: thank you for listening.